As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast about Watford Football Club, a winning Watford Football Club, uh, brought to you by The Athletic. It's Sunday morning and as you know, because Watford won, uh, Watford beat Nottingham Forest 1-0 at home yesterday with a goal from Adam Messina uh, and we're going to ch- chat about this this morning. Uh, I'm joined by Mike. Good morning. Uh, and Adam. Good morning. We're, we're doing this podcast while we're, we're doing the final preparations for the Athletic Watford Quiz uh, in aid of prostate cancer, which is uh, tomorrow evening. That's Monday, the 8th of March. Adam, uh, are, are all, the, all the questions sorted? Yep, all the questions are um, pretty much nailed down. Uh, we're all uh, present and correct. And I have a bit of breaking news. Up for grabs for the winner of the Watford Quiz will be a signed Watford shirt from... Hey. The current Watford squad, which has uh, kindly been donated um, by the club. So thank you very much to them. And yes, so that is the prize uh, that you'll be able to win tomorrow night, Monday night. And then there is an ultimate prize as well. If you win the Watford quiz, you go on to the the big quiz with all the winners from all the teams uh, on the Athletic. um, And then you can win £1,000 as well. And it's all obviously in aid of prostate cancer. Yeah, and obviously it's a charity close to well our podcast heart. A couple of years ago, we did the the March to the Arch. We walked from uh, St Albans to to Wembley to raise money for for what is a fantastic charity. Because Dad, uh, my old man had, uh, had had prostate cancer, he was diagnosed a couple of years ago, uh, and I have to say that the the support from the ch- the charity was was absolutely fantastic. The work they do for everyone. The the thing that I realised as soon as Dad was diagnosed and we sort of reached out and said what was happening was the amount of people that this touches is is vast it's huge there's lots of people who have experience of it one way or another and and prostate cancer uk as a charity work tirelessly um to help as many people as they can so by joining in the quiz you have a, a brilliant evening answering questions about watford a chance to win a watfordshire a chance to go on to win a thousand pounds in the grand final and of course that warm feeling 
that you can uh, you're you're helping a um, helping a charity that does incredible work. So a, a little personal tug at the heartstrings there. It's a it's a great charity, very close to, to to me and my family, and of course a podcast. So if you can be there on Monday night, please do. If you want to take part, you have to be a subscriber to have your virtual answer sheet. You have to be a subscriber to The Athletic. Uh, and to become a subscriber, you go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. And then to sign up for the actual quiz, which you need to do uh, as well, you need to go on to theathletic.com and search for prostate cancer. And the uh, article should be there where you can sign up uh, to take part. Uh, it's going to be good. It's all virtual. Adam's hosting. It's going to be brilliant. And what was also well, maybe not brilliant, but really, really good was a Watford win yesterday. Um, Mike, the, the, as, as a performance from Watford, we've seen a few different ones uh, in the last, or well, amongst all these wins that we've had. Um, <laughs> but it felt a little bit more, it wasn't dazzling like the 6-0 against Bristol City. Uh, it wasn't frustrating uh, and nail-biting like some of the other ones that we've had, particularly away at Preston. It was controlled and it was just professional. Yeah, I think that's a really good description of it, John. And you say it wasn't nail-biting. I can't say that I wasn't sat there slightly nervous for the final sort of four, five, six, seven minutes. A 1-0 lead when you support Watford is always is always pretty slender and, and concerning. But as I've got older, I'm trying to train myself to be a bit more objective. It's taking a very, very long time because I'm quite old already. But walking away from the ground, I was thinking, well, actually, you know, how many saves did, did Daniel Backman have to make? And, well, the answer was none because Forrest didn't have a, a shot on target. And now they're not the only side recently not to, not to be able to muster a, a shot on target. And for that to happen, it's very unlikely that it's just the opposition are completely useless. The, the more likely outcome is that Watford are, are very well organised, very disciplined, hardworking. And I think that the, the word you use there, John, is, 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 is the apt one, professional. What they have to do at this end of the season is to make sure that they get these games over the line they just have to win because the teams at the top it's it's going to be relentless now there's going to be very few slip-ups amongst those who are serious about about promotion so just getting it done it doesn't need to be eye-catching it doesn't need to be 6-0 winning is is everything at this stage and I thought in reality you know if you asked a neutral taking our Watford's hat off you'd say well Watford deserved the win and we're in control Pretty much throughout, I'd say they did a slightly slow start to the second half where Forrest looked like they upped the pace briefly, but again, they didn't really threaten. So having slept on it, pretty impressed by by Watford, which of course, especially with a slightly makeshift and, and patched up midfield. Well, Adam, that's the thing about that, the midfield. There was only one change from Wednesday, uh, and that was the, oh, the wonder what he's going to do moment that we love to have on a, an, an afternoon before a game kicks off, or late morning as it was yesterday. Um, there was only one change, cleverly out because he was injured, and instead, Jao Pedro. And, and that was a little bit of a surprise. A very weird that, that Munoz made that, that sort of a choice. Do you think, was it a brave choice? Was it... What, yeah, why did he make that choice uh, rather than, I don't know, playing a, a young player rather than playing someone who's more used to playing in midfield? The main reason why he did it was that there weren't really many options, as you've alluded to there. Obviously, we were thinking perhaps um, Ben Wilmot might come in and as a, as a holding midfielder, but then that would have changed the dynamic of, of the midfield. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, the way that that midfield three operates with, with Hughes anchoring and then, you know, previously it would be Shalabar and Cleverly in a sort of a, a pincer grip movement going forward and you need that energy to get up and down. I think if Wilmot was going to come into the side, he would almost 
be better playing a, a slightly different but a similar holding role to Will Hughes because I don't see Wilmot um, in that sort of quick-paced pass-and-move sort of position. And also, he he himself considers himself to be a, a centre-back as well. So I think he's probably, you know, disappointed in a, in a way not to be in game time because you always want to play. But then thinking, well, I am actually probably one of the best ball-playing um, centre-backs that, that Watford have got. So if I'm if I'm being considered sort of one of the next cabs in the rank, then then that's fine. I mean, he, I think he's in a little bit of a grey area at the moment, Ben Wilmot, and, and things, to be, need, things need to be nailed down. Um, but I think that that is mainly down to the form of, of the two centre-backs. But going back to, you know, bringing Joao Pedro in, I think it was a positive step forward. He was in form prior to his suspension against Bournemouth. He was one of those players that you think, well, it's not too far removed to the role that he was playing up front. Obviously, he's not playing at the top, top end of the field, but he still has an opportunity to join in attacks. And he's shown, playing as a central striker, that he's very, very comfortable with his feet, passing and moving. He's got that quickness. He can turn very quickly on the halfway line. He can play intricate passes. He can create space just with a sort of a, a, a body swerve or whatever. So he's clever in those spaces. And I think that that, I think that worked well. Um, and then it was interesting later on that you sort of saw the planning and everyone was on the same page that, you know, when Gray went off, Xiao Pedro just simply moved forward and it was all very organized so I, I just thought you know <laughs> I, I thought it was a really mature performance from from Joao Pedro yes not everything went well there was a couple of moments where his decision making sort of deeper was a little bit too risky maybe thinking oh, I'm on the I'm on the attacking I'm on the edge of you know the opposition's box rather than my own box which you just thought okay well he'll learn from that but he is also familiar from playing there the piece that I did ages ago, um, the Joao Pedro story, which is like his full biography from you know when he was a little kid. Growing up when he was like 15, 16 years old, he was originally a defensive midfielder, moved forward to an attacking midfielder, and then obviously latterly um, a striker. So he is familiar with doing that. I think it worked I think it worked yeah. well and it, and it was a really good one. It was a split shift from him. It reminded me of my days working in Threshers when you'd work, you do in the morning and then you'd, you'd come back in the evening. And I thought, you know, well done. And he's similar age to, the, to um, when I was doing it. So, yeah, it's good. I was, I was working in Threshers and uh, it used to be two people on it. And uh, I went to McDonald's next, next door to get some, get some dinner. As I came back into Threshers, I saw this guy putting a bottle of wine inside his coat. And he just looked at me and winked just to say, oh, don't tell him. And I was like... Sorry, mate. I work here. Pop that back. See you later. Um, so Isn't it weird. All these, all these similarities. That we've yeah, got, exactly. Mike. Uh, you know yeah. the the um, the Pierlo story, the Thresher story, all just being discovered in the in these um, from the Rookery End therapy sessions. That and we're doing luckily for the for the for the listeners, we share them with everyone. They must be absolutely thrilled to hear these sort of banal tales of our uh, earlier lives. I think uh, John, you mentioned the word brave, and I think it I think it was a brave decision because my fear what not fear but the nagging doubt was and sort of Adam alluded to it slightly there was you know is he going to be disciplined enough in that in that midfield area not to give the ball away that was that's the question and he what what Cisco had to do was weigh that up with keeping the attacking intent going keep that momentum going keep it being Watford being the ones that that asked the questions and you know that's that that was that would be the payoff if it worked and I and I thought it absolutely did work you know, Joao Pedro throughout the season has shown 
nothing but sort of courage and commitment and talent and skill. So I don't think there was any ever any ever ever any doubt that he could perform the role. It was just whether he would sort of overplay, which I think he did slightly a couple of times. But overall, I think it was it was a really good performance from him, and it contributed to you know a really nice attacking Watford side and and not for the first time in in recent weeks that the scoreline doesn't necessarily suggest this and people watching the, the the highlights certainly probably wouldn't pick up on it but not for the first time in the last sort of four to five weeks Watford looked like they could completely overrun the opposition if they wanted to down the right that you know the Kiko and Saar connection was was in full effect again and uh, and it looked like Gaiten Bong was going to be in for a very long or perhaps short afternoon. The, the amount of times that that, that Saar seemed to just have him have him on toast. And it's just it's not it's not just those players. It's the fact that they now feel like as a unit that they're, they're going over the halfway line. They click into gear and they look like they're asking questions all the time. And largely down to this brave decision from from Unos. You know, you, you take it back perhaps seven or eight weeks. And I think the idea would have been to bring Wilmot in just to play it safe, just to make sure that we perhaps keep it really, really solid, have a really strong platform and, and maybe go and nick one. And we're looking at it the, op- the opposite way now. We're looking at ways, right, let's let the opposition worry about us. We know that from 1 to 11 or 5 to 31 um, that we had on the pitch, 33, we've got, we've got talent all over the pitch. Let the opposition worry about us. And and I think that's what the use of Jao Pedro in midfield, that's what it said to me. We are confident in, in our team. Let the other mob worry about us. And I think that sends a message to um, the rest of the division who will have got quite used to over the course of the season thinking, oh, you know, Watford a bit workmanlike. They, they, could, they, you know, they penalty their way to the occasional 1-0, but nothing really to write home about. I think that's changed dramatically and I think that decision from Francisco was was brave and it was a bit of a marker and it I think it just shows how confident we are or they are in in themselves and each other and it's just that 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 focus on staying attacking keeping fluid staying dynamic let's create the chances and let the opposition worry about us and it, and that's how it turned out I think for for large swathes of the first half I thought it was one of the most entertaining games of the season actually just the the, the sort of the, the pattern of play was different we, we were great down the right we got the ball wide a little bit and there was some good stuff through the middle didn't quite happen in the in the second half so much I think Forrest got wise to it and gummed up it got gummed it up a little bit but I was just delighted with with a with a brave decision and and the way it panned out so just it, it's just exciting really exciting I felt and and, and, a, and a great performance from Pedro and as Adam said just the, the beauty of uh, Sanchez coming on and um, Pedro moving forward and Gray come off. It was almost automated, wasn't it? It's just like... Yeah. It was um, a chess move. It was yeah. a chess move, it, and it, it, it really, really feels was. like. And as, op- and as, an op- as an opposition, you're like, ugh, now we've got him up front and we've got an 88 <laughs> cap Colombian in the, in the middle. And it's it all feeds in to, to how, going back to what we said at the start, it actually being a relatively comfortable afternoon at the office. Adam, the, you, know, the, you know, we talk about a, a change in midfield, and, and it, you know, it could be viewed as quite a, a weird thing. It didn't didn't turn out that way, but a lot of that relaxation you could feel about changes is the fact that the one change that isn't happening is, is Will Hughes, uh, and again, uh, a captain's performance from him uh, because he was wearing the armband. Uh, but again, his role, uh, what he does, is starting not to not to to wane, but it, it's not standing out as much, I suppose, because we're getting used to 
how well he's playing and that role he plays. Yeah, it was it was st- such a sort of stark difference before when he came in and, and the, the massive penny had dropped and we were playing football that we had hoped that we would be playing. Um, but now, yeah, we've sort of got used to the fact that we now rotate in the midfield he passes he moves he he makes sure that things work he covers really well as well which is one of the things that you know that's when he's not on the ball but for example a couple of times when um, William Triste Kong advanced forward he would just simply drop back and almost play as a a centre half for a few moments or he'll drop in between the centre halves and and he's always he's he's basically almost like I could imagine him with a like a whistle around his neck mm. as a like a as a coach like an old school PE teacher not a sheep farmer no not a sheep farmer that, one of those weird Goodbye. flat ones that, yeah <laughs> all that sort of stuff yeah um well I w- yeah you wouldn't be able to hear it if you're a dog would you so it wouldn't actually make a noise anyway that's um that's by the by but yeah just sort of keeping tabs on everyone just reminding them where they should be and and to be fair you know Tom Cleverley had been doing that very very well obviously and and it was it made me feel you know quite sad seeing him in the stands sat there but then I was really sort of heartened by the fact that they almost you know assumed the work rate that he did on the field and it was sort of distributed amongst a couple of other players you know with 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 Zinkenagel there with Hughes obviously doing his hard work as per usual and one other thing that that stuck out for me it was late on in the game and Will Hughes it was after um, Joao Pedro had moved up front and I think he was sort of getting a little bit hot heady as we as we you know know and love about yeah exactly and he just pointed to his temple towards Joao and was sort of getting his attention. He did it once and Joao sort of moved away and hadn't quite grasped what he was saying to him. And he did it again and he was like, look. And that was a, it was a real sort of captain's moment. Yeah. It wasn't, nec- it wasn't like, it wasn't sort of digging him out. It was just reminding him of his responsibilities. And I loved that sort of calm edge to Will Hughes throughout, you know, and he, and he, was, he was all over the field. He assumed the role of the captain and it wasn't all sort of flamboyant shots and this and that and whatever. And there was a couple of passes, a lot, there was a long range pass that didn't quite go to plan. But his intricate passing and just his availability is is his main asset. And it just keeps everything flowing. It's, it, it's, it's so good to see. And also, you can see him moving around so well because of that that blonde hair it's just lovely just to see him just sort of bobbing around all the time it's just fantastic and he's so important you could just see him looking around as well Adam can't you he's organizing the whole time like you said his his head is darting left and right he's looking you know where's the opposition where's the space how can we defend Mm. this how can we transition into attack and and I think the word you used there Adam is assumed that the captain's role and it, it feels like he's just stepped up almost incrementally each week but he's just assumed this sort of colossally important figure for Watford with the absolute minimum of fuss hasn't he he's just he's just there and now he's absolutely everywhere everything that so much that is good comes through Will Hughes and there was a couple of times where he just took takes the ball away from the 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 opposition there's a couple of times when he got crowded out in the centre midfield there was two players on him and it was just a little shimmy played the ball from one foot to the other then poked it clear and he bought himself a pocket of space and off we go We're, we're we're into safety or or attacking again, and I think perhaps his his quick feet can be can be underestimated as well. He's he's, he's highly skillful as well, isn't he? And everything he brings is just a, a joy to joy to watch. But it, I thought it was noticeable yesterday just how much he was looking around and sort of the the strategic part of the of the game and sort of computing what's happening 
um, in, in real time. It's it's fascinating to watch, and it you do notice how 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 big a performer he is and what he does for everyone else in terms of you know just playing in front of the those the the, the defense giving them an out. Um, if there's nothing on, he'll go back to them and they'll try again. Otherwise, he might try and and bring make something going going forward. He just everything goes through him and he's 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 absolutely superb and 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 as a captain i don't think at this stage of the season you couldn't ask for for anything more absolutely brilliant again this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to michelobultra.com Slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Ishmael Issar, Mike, again, just feels comfortable and feels like he's the man and the player who we expected to see yeah. all season. And, it, and it's weird that he's only just really turned up in the last month or so. Well, I think it's down to the, I think it's down to the way we've played. We've, you know, the question we asked week in week out was how do we get this guy into the game more? Um, the fact that he wasn't getting getting brought into the game, we weren't utilising his pace, we weren't letting him stretch his legs down that that wing, and you know he was cutting a very forlorn and slightly depressed looking figure, wasn't he? For for large parts of certainly the first half of the season, and I cannot tell you the difference in his body language and and how he looked. He prowls around the pitch like he owns it now. And I mean that in, in, the, in the most positive, positive way. There's nothing cocky about it. it is, he is so confident and so keen to get the ball. And he, he, he just cuts a figure. He knows that he is a man that can make a massive difference. He, is, he knows that he's a man that can hurt the opposition. And he knows he's a man that will hurt the opposition it's just the way he moves around it he's like a he's like the the king of the pride he is like the the alpha lion on on the pitch he is the most dangerous man on there and he knows it and it's just the way he moves it's sort of with stealth with purpose with drive and it is just so good to see as a Watford fan it is hugely hugely exciting uh, and as an opposition player it must just be the stuff of nightmares absolutely horrifying you know Gaiten Bong ended up being substituted. I mean, he probably could have been, he probably would be grateful to be substituted. I mean, he probably could have ended up being sent off. I think, you know, there was a, there was a tackle early on that probably might have warranted yeah. a booking, but yeah. you know, semantics, but he, he's too good for virtually every defender in this division. And he knows it. And now we know a little bit more how to, to get him into the game. And it's just his, his demeanor compared to earlier in the season is absolute, an absolute joy to behold. And, Every time Watford go forward down that right-hand side, you know the Kiko and Sar collection that we that we yeah. love. Watford look like they're going to score. If you were going to say, "Will Watford score here?" with Sar galloping down the the right, you think mm, maybe, yeah. Uh, and that wasn't the case before. 
Uh, and now, you know, as so I mentioned it earlier, there are there are patches in games. We had them yesterday where Watford looked like they could literally blow away the opposition, just decimate them in the space of a couple of minutes. And and Ismail Asar is a huge, huge part of that. The confidence coursing through his veins is is a joy to behold. And he just gets the blood pumping. And I'm so excited for him, so pleased for him. Pleased for us as supporters that we're finally seeing how good he can be, but just delighted that he seems to be enjoying his football. He is he's some player, and I think we're starting to see him realise his potential. It's absolutely great to see him. Adam, one thing I wasn't at the game, you and Ad, you and Mike were in the stadium. When Adam Messina scored his goal, it sounded like he did the most deep <laughs> shouts that you could ever have, very primeval of it all. Um, and and it is, it's in, he's an interesting player where I sort of have my moments of, not frustration necessarily, but ooh, uh, wincing maybe. Mm. But he he sort of, he does sort himself out. Um, but that goal, first of all, just loved it. In, in his reaction, was it as loud as I think it was? Yeah, it was. It was sort of a, you know, um, Cristiano Ronaldo does his sort of sue celebration after after he he scores. It was a sort of a similar thing where he just sort of tensed himself up, and then yeah. there was a big sort of exhale. And it, yeah. I think that that was almost, you know, we have to, you know, not forget that he went through quite a difficult injury. And, you know, he's come back from that and he was sort of, he wasn't rushed back, but he was sort of back and available and playing probably more consistently and regularly, I should say, than he probably would have liked due to the fact that we didn't really have that many other options and it, and it unlocked, a, uh, you know, a different formation that we were able to play. And it's taken him a little bit of time, I think, but he's battled through. I think it's his, his mentality has got him through this, you know, initial period being back in the side. And there's been a couple of moments where his sort of his his decision making, like we were saying about Joao Pedro earlier on, just sort of being a little bit out of kilter sometimes, a little bit sort of not quite up to to game speed just in some of the things that he's done. And I, and then people will go, hang on a minute, he looked pretty on he looked pretty on it in his first appearance when he came on and made that amazing tackle against <laughs> Norwich, that sort of tippy-toe tap out of the way of uh, Temu Puki. What I mean is sort of like over a, a, a course of a, of a 90 minutes, there have been a couple of occasions. We saw it at Blackburn. We saw it early on when he was skinned by Anthony Knockart, oh our friend yeah. from... Uh, <sighs> from all those years back, who will go down in Watford's history. He hasn't changed, has um, he? And, no, he hasn't at all. But I mean, but but going back to Messina, you know, he's come through this and and uh, Shisco Munoz spoke about it afterwards um, and say, you know, now he, he needs to kick on. And there was there was a moment in the second half, which I thought was really sort of brave and it showed his confidence. You know, obviously he got his goal and that, that, that was great. He flipped the ball over Knockout, actually. He sort of did what he had been doing before, where he took a touch played the ball, sort of volleyed the ball over Knockart, I think it was, down the left, and then pushed on with a pressing run, which he hadn't been doing um, so much of earlier on in the season, just where maybe he was sort of just trying to conserve a little bit of energy. So it was great to see that. And just one other thing, I mentioned Munoz there. A lot is obviously now being made about the individual players out there, and they are performing. And we know that the senior players have sort of taken ownership of this this situation but I think that Munoz also deserves a fair amount of credit you know obviously we he's dealing with having injuries and suspensions and things like that and and the the 
the quality of the play hasn't really diminished too much and they've managed to keep up these standards. I don't think he's getting carried away with it. And he's, you know, he said after the game that, you know, he's continuing to learn. He's learning more about the championship. He is sort of evolving his his management style, having had a bit more time at the club. But also <laughs> the way that they continually motivate from one until 90, it, it, it does add something. And I was speaking to Paul Taylor, who's my colleague at The Athletic, who covers Nottingham Forest. And I think, you know, it, it, I, I mentioned it to him that I, of course I did. I always talk about the Huddersfield dugout. I always mention it. You know, that it just reminds me that sometimes when you don't see that energy coming from the other um, dugout, Chris Hutton's not not one of those people that's, that stays really, really quiet. You can hear him on, on a number of occasions, but it's almost like they've got castanets and they're yeah. sort of, um, you know, the support act around someone doing a, a you know, a, a tango or, or the flamenco dancers. They're, they're continually there just sort of, just clapping away and, and keeping keeping the energy going. And sometimes I see the players sort of look over and go, all right, come on, give it a rest. We, we, we're, we're knackered. But it just makes the, it makes the players, it reminds the players that, you know, we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. And I think that that's, that energy is, is really important, especially in this time. You know, we've got a tiny little um, noise factory around the dugout. Normally it would be the whole stadium sort of willing you on. And I think that that can't be underestimated. So, I'd, you know, I just thought it'd be, it's worth mentioning sometimes that they are, they're still learning on the job and they are still managing to churn out, you know, win after win. What is 10 wins out of 15? So it's not, you know, that's not a bad record and they're in a better position than, than when they took over. So I think credit to them. I'm connected to, to Opta throughout the game and usually they go, oh, is that the referee's whistle? I said, no, that's the uh, Watford bench. <laughs> Ten seconds later, is that the referee's whistle? No, that's the, the Watford bench. Uh, repeat ad nauseam for, for 90 minutes. Adam, two, uh, there were three substitutes. I don't think we can quite have a good discussion about um, Isaac's success. Uh, he was only on for about five minutes. Holds the ball up well. Lead that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, kill, were... kill the game. Get Isaac in the corner. Yeah, the two that came on. Um, Hungbo came on uh, for a good 10 minutes or so for Zinkenagel. And then, as we mentioned already, Sanchez made his, uh, his debut coming on for, for Gray. Uh, Sanchez, again, that midfield, how are we going to fill that midfield, the importance of it. He came on and did exactly what you want him to do uh, as a fairly, you know, an older, 35 years old uh, footballer with his experience. He seemed like a nice calm head to do the job that was needed at that point in the game. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. He, he was calm. He did very, very simple things well. You know, even from I was sort of just tracking his his movements as it, when he came on. You know, his first contact, he didn't necessarily got the ball, but he was strong in the challenge. Um, his first pass actually lost possession on the edge of the box, yeah. <laughs> um, but he then you know made a good recovery run. He actually supported um, Will Hughes. There was a nice little um, volleyed pass where he controlled it and then volleyed it off to to Hughes. A couple of simple forward passes that found their target. You know, there was a couple of moments where he was operating in a tight position and he just found a player in space. He won a couple of aerial duels as well. So, you know, he, he did what he was supposed to do. And it's an interesting one with, with um, Carlos Sanchez because, you know, a lot of a lot of listeners might not pay any attention to, to social media, but, but many will. And there was a huge amount of um, negativity around Carlos Sanchez, especially from, from West Ham supporters. You know, saying things like, oh, no, he's the worst player we've seen and he, you know, he can't do this. So he never did this, blah, 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 blah. Don't sign him, all this sort of stuff. 
And then you actually go, right, okay, you, you, you do some research into into the, the person, you investigate, you know, their story a little bit more. You know, he had a significant injury at West Ham, which I think will have played its part in him not necessarily convincing the West Ham fans as much as they would have liked. You sort of wait and see and you want to, him, you want to judge him with your own eyes. And I think, look, you know, you don't judge him on what... 15 20 minutes or however long he was on on the pitch you know you're not going to say oh yeah he's the complete article he's going to you know change the way that we we manage games in the future but he can certainly be part of that yeah. you know on, on the evidence of of what he can do having had what a couple of days training not having played competitively um he played an under 23s game in march of 2020 i think it was but his last competitive game was was january 2020 so it's been a hell of a long time since he's been on a on a football pitch and at a difficult time of the game if you compare it to drop um zinkenagel into that sort of similar situation yeah yeah earlier on in the season whereby you know it was getting a bit busy around the midfield areas and stuff and look to, to be fair I don't think Nottingham Forest were particularly strong in, in central midfield I don't think they caused us too many problems and I thought we had control of it for, for much of the time but you know when we've seen Zinconagel dropped into there and it's been you know really frenetic and frantic you've thought oh, he's getting buffeted around a little bit I think he's got stronger and he's learning the game which is good which is good to see but when you put Sanchez in there it was very calm and you, mm. you think you then you then you you sort of it's almost like virtual reality you sort of put your put yourself into his shoes and you go what has he seen and what has he done and where yeah. has he been and what success has he had and you go yeah he has played 88 times for for Colombia he's been in pressure cooker atmospheres you know in his homeland um in in different countries as well um you know he's he's played at world cups you know he's been a bit of a sort of mischievous old chap in the in the game against um England you know he's man marked messi he's man marked neymar it's like He's he has been there and done it, and yes, he might not be perfect. He might not be perfect, but I think he can definitely do a job for us. Coming on and going right, can you just go and manage things in midfield for fifteen twenty minutes? I think he's gonna. I think it, you know it's it's a great thing to have in your locker. Because the thing is, he doesn't need to be the future of Watford Football Club at this stage. No, it's all about plus threes. We need to get the wins, and he played already he's helped deliver three points. So already he's proving his value to, to the squad. Came in on a free. I'm sure his, his wages will obviously be at a level that are fine because otherwise he wouldn't be at the club. We're now in the process of ticking off results and how we do them. We just need to have the, the right right shapes in the right holes. And he absolutely was that yesterday, whether he has a career past the end of this season at Watford. You know, obviously I want him to be safe and secure and have a job and all that sort of stuff. But from a purely footballing point of view, it really doesn't matter if we've got the players that can get us the wins at this stage of the season. That's what we need. And, and I thought he was, he was absolutely terrific yesterday. And I, I thought that there was quite a nice juxtaposition of him coming on in the midfield, keeping it nice and cool and calm. You know, he was under control. His touch was fine. Every time he needed to get the ball under control, he did. He moved it sideways. He moved it back, whatever. Took the sting out of it. And the other substitution that I think is definitely worth a mention is, is Hungbo. And I don't know about mm. you, John, but I was I was super excited watching him. He really put in a, a shift. And he, whilst the rest of the squad, perhaps if Sanchez was brought on to take the sting out of the game, there was none of that from from Hungbo. He was very much looking to to get on and score a second, wasn't he, John? What was your what was your take on on him when he came on? 
Exactly that. I mean, it's it's that lovely youth energy uh, that you want to have when young players come on. The fact that, you, like you say, there was that senior calmness around him didn't make me feel as worried. You don't want a young player to come on and to be rash and um, to, to try too hard, let's say. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he tried too hard. He tried in the right ways. Uh, and he did keep that energy level you know, going up in terms of our attack when you know, it did feel a little bit like Semmer and, and uh, Zah were getting a little bit tired uh, towards the end. And and he, he whipped in one ball, yeah. um, which was just like, just get on the end of it, somebody. It would have been absolutely perfect for him. Because that's the next thing he needs. He needs a, a big assist or a big goal. It's that sort of continuation of, of him being part of the squad, getting his minutes in. He seems to be that player where, again, getting him mentally match fit, he will be very important to the squad in the run-up to it. If, if Ishmael Hazar continues to play all the minutes he does and he gets a bit worn out if Hungbo you know wanting to play because that's his more preferred position out on the right that is going to be really important to, to Watford in the next whatever 10 plus games we, we've got left here in the championship I would I was surprised just just how positive he was and he's he, he's skillful and you know we've only what's he played twice now for Watford so let's in the same way we can't sort of um two wins though two wins well absolutely <laughs> same way we can't critique um uh, Sanchez's Watford career, we can't, you know, put all our eggs, all our eggs in the hungbo-shaped basket just yet either. But you know, if you think about the opposition, those are the substitutions we, we've made. Midfielder with all that e- experience and someone with the the drive, skill, pace, strength to to ask, continue asking questions of your of your right-sided defenders in, from the 80th minute onwards. It's it's a great position to be in, and it was just a, a, a cameo that really, really caught the eye. And it just feels like that, you know, yesterday was the, the biggest sort of changes we've had to make or the biggest concern that we've had to make to a settled team. But also, it felt like that we had the, the pieces to come in and make sure that it felt like a well-rounded piece throughout. I don't think at any stage it felt like this wasn't a side that, that could do things. And that was all the way through to the 90th minute. And, you know, we've asked questions about Munoz and his, and his substitutions you know, I thought they they worked absolutely tremendously yesterday. So credit to him, and, and credit to the players on the pitch who who like we've said it throughout. It this has been the real word, the watchword of the podcast: a professional performance with with lots to enjoy. So yeah, absolute credit to to, to everyone involved yesterday. Uh, one player we haven't talked about yet. Uh, he's on the he's been on the lips of Watford fans, not just on the back of the shirts. Because I think it'd be a bit more expensive uh, to get the word <laughs> Zinkenagel on the back. Um, but after the game in the press conference, uh, he had some time with the press. Uh, let's hear what we had to say. Uh, firstly, about how he feels he has done since starting the last two games. We've had two victories, so that's pretty important. I feel I've done pretty well. Last game, I think we had more control because we got an early 2-0 goal in the in the beginning of, of second half so you know we could enjoy with the ball a bit more today was more about hard work I think maybe the first half an hour was good today but the rest of the game was a little bit more about hard work and simple play but in the end we, we get a victory it's always frustrating when you have to wait and, and when you don't get to play that much but this league is very different. The physical level is, is very high, so you, you have to get used to the duels. and It's high tempo, so you know it's maybe natural to have to be patient and, and wait for your chance. But yeah, I'm glad to play now. I could maybe find more offensive areas and be dangerous. Today was more about hard work, but I think I'm doing pretty well. Take pretty good decisions with the ball. And as you say, it's not my favorite position. I, I prefer to play a little bit further up, maybe as a winger or, or number 10. But yeah, I think I managed all right. Obviously, I think we play better when we play this 
uh, 3-3 system and I think we can control the, ga- the game a bit better and keep the ball more and uh, I think it suits us better. Uh, we have the players to play this way so it's been good to work on, on a new system and I, I'm, I'm actually used to playing this system so, so that's, uh, that's nice. So yeah, that's how he feels he's he's been dealing with it. And it's been interesting to to find out. And I asked him about the, the transition from, you know, playing in Norway and Norwegian football to the to the cut and thrust of the championship. The biggest difference is 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 the duels, the physics. I think sometimes the tempo gets a bit high, maybe too high in this league. Uh, but that's because the teams force each other to play fast. In my old club we used to have the ball all the time. So of course it's a bit different to work more defensively and uh, had to work harder now. I guess the, the tempo and the physics are the biggest difference. And then of course you get into some variation of the pitches. When we play at home, it's, it's, it's nice and good, but sometimes when we've played against Millwall and uh, Blackburn, it's been really difficult because the pitches are a bit bumpy. While in Norway, we, it, all, almost all of the games are on turf. You can count on the, on the, on the surface. I think here the competition is much higher. In Norway, there were maybe a few teams fighting for the championship, and here it's like five, six teams that play, maybe even more that plays for the Premier League relegation. So uh, I feel good, and I feel the boys have a strong mentality, and we we believing it. But it's it's a bit different because last season everything just went our way, and we scored five goals in every game and, and almost destroyed the league. So. It's a bit different. <laughs> Today, maybe I had to be a little bit more defensive and, and it was more about hard work, but it's also a balance between my teammates have to, to learn to find me in good positions while last season everyone knew each other so well and I, I knew if I went into a good position, I would get the ball and, and were able to turn and, and, and force the goal and set up my teammates. So it's adapting period for me, but also for, for my teammates and uh, yeah, today maybe I had to, as you say, hold on a little bit and, and be more offensive. But I think with more time and, and uh, more minutes, I will be able to to be more offensive and set up maybe some of the strikers. Mike, the, the thing about our friend Philip is I think I fell into the trap that lots of fans fall into, uh, where you see a new signing, they're bright mm. and they're, they're shiny. You then see all the statistics that came out of Norway and you get even more excited and you expect... Even though you know he's coming from the Norwegian League to Championship, I expected a bit more of him, and I didn't quite understand. And, and hearing from him there, the, the actual transition he had to make wasn't going to be ever going to be any quick, however much I wanted it to be. It is, as a fan, watching him, lovely to sort of feel his progression that he has had in the first few games as a substitute and now as a starter, that you know things are going to be good for him and for Watford for the rest of this season. Yeah, really nice to hear from him then. And I think it is valuable to get that insight into what is a, a difficult and, and tough transition. And I think as football supporters, we're not as a rule patient. I'm certainly not. It's it's obviously been difficult, I think. I mean, but the the great thing with him is you can obviously see that there's a there's a player there. And I think he's had more tough times than good times so far in, in a Watford shirt. But I think you're right, John. I think you can see the journey uh, and it's happening possibly at the right time for Watford because if he can hit proper form if he can really feel a part of this unit and feel like he understands and knows how best to contribute to to a championship football match for the for the next you know couple of months he's going to be an, a, a a vital asset to 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 Watford and so i think that transition that change that learning 
curve is happening is having to happen very quick it's happening in real time in front of our eyes but the good thing is it is happening I thought I was really excited about him starting against Wickham and I thought he actually struggled to a degree I thought he played well but I think in terms of finding himself the wrong side of where he needed to be he was having to tug on on players and sort of try and wrap his feet round players to try and get to the ball because he was slightly either not there on time or just slightly out of position I think there was less of that yesterday against Nottingham Forest I think he is understanding the um the pattern of play the speed of play and how he can best contribute to this this Watford side and I, and I think we bit by bit we're getting closer to him being a, a serious contributor to this this Watford side there's never no doubt at, at all that he's supremely talented great touch I'm sure he's going to chip in with with goals as well but I think it is like you say John he's ne- he was never if you if you if you look back he's never going to come in from a side that absolutely dominates position in a in a league that is very very different to the to the championship he's never he's not going to come in and make that that impact so a sign of a good player is one that can assess the situation, understand the changes that are required and make them. And then I think bit by bit, he is, uh, he's doing that. Adam, you've written a couple of pieces on him on The Athletic. The first one was about him, you know, getting to know him a little bit uh, when he first signed for Watford. And then you did one when he, his first appearance when he started uh, against Manchester United in the FA Cup. This is surely not a surprise to you that he has been making this, this steady progress one thing that he is is intelligent. Um, he's not someone that has sort of come in, taken a look at what's um, you know in front of him and gone, I can't deal with this. I've got no idea what to do. You can see that he analyzes things very carefully. That's something that he's done throughout his career, watching back games almost to the point of um, annoying his his former housemate. I remember Casper um, Juncker at Berda Glimt. He was like, yeah, now he's moved out. I might have a bit more chance to watch things on Netflix rather than watching uh, matches over and over again. Just sort of shows you that he's taking this very, very seriously. And, and you can see he's very studious on the pitch. You know, I remember, I think it was yesterday, um, and and a couple of other games. I think no, it was the game against um, the midweek game against Wickham. You know, he was walking off um, alongside Will Hughes, sort of deep in conversation about what has been going on, and and you, almost sort of analysing it on the hoof. Incrementally, he's getting better. He knows that. That's the thing. He's got that awareness. You can hear him speaking that he's he's well aware of the things that are different now. From you know the competitiveness of the championship, the fact that he doesn't get as much time on the ball, and um, the fact that he's not you know, almost able to play in a front five that they were playing at um, in, in in Norway because they were dominating the league so much. He's not playing in his ideal position. He's learning about that. So, you know, there's there's lots of elements to this, but you're gradually seeing him get better. And, and that's that's all you can ask for. And as Mike says, it, it's it's almost nice that it's happening at this time because, like we were talking about, you know, Chris Boardman and telling his, uh, as when he was a kid, just incrementally getting better, that that's what you want. You want players to be hungry for the next game because then they can show what they can do better. He's someone that will want to do that. He wants to, you know, prove a point. He's already chipped in with, you know, that great assist for Andre Gray. He, you know, was in the right place at the right time when um, Ishmael Assar, you know, fed him in for, for a goal as well. He's shown that he can be an asset um, to this side this season and beyond we've talked about it earlier on we know that the focus is off off the owners and the and the planning again all of a sudden funnily enough a really good run it's hard to be too critical isn't it so I think your point is a good one because it does point again 
to there being a plan and working hard to, to, to make sure that this is a squad that is functional, whichever division it ends up in. That can mean little bits slotting in like, like Sanchez, for example, for, for, to play a small part and people playing a longer term role in, in the future of the club, like, like Hungbo and, and, and Zinkenagel and, and Sierra Alta, those sort of players. So I, th- I do think it's a, a really valid point that the, the shape of the squad is starting to feel a lot more long-term, a lot more sustainable, um, and in the short term, a lot more exciting, which I think we can uh, we can all be delighted about. Those articles Adam wrote about um, Philip Zinkenagel, uh, you can get on The Athletic by going to theathletic.com. Uh, and if you need to subscribe, then you need to go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end, uh, where you can sign up. Uh, there's always some sort of deal on. Uh, so go and check that out uh, and sign up. And of course, if you are a subscriber, you can take part in the quiz. Adam, you had a piece out this morning on The Athletic where, well, you spoke to Maurizio Pochettino, the, the former Spurs manager, but you didn't ask him about Neymar or Kylian Mbappe. I am so happy after one month he has the, the possibility to be involved in the first team uh, last Wednesday. Of course, he's so exciting and, and the family is so excited. He's very professional, amazing guy. It's normal. He's my, my son. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're obviously talking about Maurizio Pochettino's son. I wrote a piece about him because I think it's a, it's an interesting story. He's now within the the ranks of the of the team, training with the first team. Obviously, he was on the bench against Wickham, and I spoke to Maurizio Pochettino senior about his son, and it, and it was great to speak to him. Obviously, it was it was via Zoom. He was speaking about a whole range of of issues from you know talking about Kylian Mbappe, like big issues and COVID and facing Barcelona and stuff. And then when I asked him about his son, his face just lit up and you could see his sort of his guard drop. He just sort of settled in. He could speak about his own sort of flesh and blood and just with with great love, great sort of confidence and care. And, you know, I think he's missing him, to be honest, a, a little bit because he's over in Paris and and his son is is still obviously in, in Hertfordshire where he was living. Um, when he was in charge of, of Tottenham. Um, and he just spoke about a whole range of sort of emotions, really, about sort of dealing with that absence, um, being proud of how he's developing, managing the the expectation of, of your son having to live up to your reputation. Obviously, you know, he's not only been a, a top manager, now at one of the biggest clubs in the world at, at Paris, but... You know, got to the Champions League final with Tottenham. You know, was consistently finishing in the in the top four, um, and then as a player, played internationally for for Argentina and played in his homeland for Newell's Old Boys and for Espanyol as well, and for Paris Saint Germain. So he's been a you know a, t- a top player, and for your kid to try and sort of emulate that must be very very difficult. And he just basically said that no look I talk when he wants to talk and I'm there as a parent I'm not there as a as an ex-pro I, I just look after him and it's just nice sometimes to find out the other side of it rather than it being oh look bosh Maurizio Pochettino's son plays for Watford you know like in a sort of a tabloidy way it's just nice to be able to speak to someone about their son and for him to have a very caring approach as you would expect of course you're not going to expect him to go yeah if he doesn't if he doesn't achieve what I did I'm going to be bitterly disappointed great to hear from him and also just always the way there's always someone that has played a part in in so many players careers that has emanated from Watford and Nigel Gibbs obviously Watford legend he was a coach at at Spurs he's now over in Belgium incidentally um, as an assistant 
for Paul Clement, if you didn't if you didn't know, because obviously everyone loves Nigel Gibson. They want to know that he's safe and well. He played a part in um, in Pochettino's career as as an under nineteen coach, and he was saying, you know, he's he's a he's a proper player. Really impressed with him. He thinks that he can be a you know a great asset to the side. You know, he was really happy to to have seen that he was on the bench against Wickham and you know he's talking about how good his attitude is and he works really hard and you know he's able to you know be a strong runner you know develop the ball forward but also work back as well so I think all the signs are the signs are good and you know there is a future and he is one of those players within the sort of under 23 slash training with the first team group that is hopefully going to be one for the future so yeah I hope people enjoy the piece and it's you know it's far-reaching so you can tell your Tottenham mates if you've got any of them that you know we spoke to Maurizio Pochettino and I'm sure they'll be they'll be very keen to hear from him because they've obviously got a lot of love for Maurizio Pochettino after his his achievement there so yeah I enjoyed doing the piece and I hope people enjoy reading it it's gonna be big for him though Adam because the last two clubs he's been at Southampton and Tottenham he's he's had his dad there with him it might have been a thing that got him his signings but this is his first sort of he's not I know he's only 19 but you know his first big boy you know job uh, where he's sort of on his own and and all the signs are that he will take on this challenge it was something that that his his dad you know mentioned where he is now it, it's the first time that he hasn't sort of got a history you know he's not sort of connected basically saying you know he's not connected to me I think he he realizes that and it's it's like it's almost like he's gone off, you know, being a parent, you know, as as we will have done when we were going off to university or whatever, or to, to college or living away from home. You can sense your parents are a bit like, OK, well, I, I wish you all the best. But, you know, inside they're, they're sort of chewing themselves up with with worry and letting you go off into the, the big wide world. And I sort of got that sense from from uh, Pochettino when he was speaking that you could sort of say that. You know, he was saying it's it's been difficult with the travel and all this sort of stuff. But if he's happy, I'm happy, you know, almost sort of just sort of holding it back, just being sort of, you know, stiff upper lip and, um, you know, being a proud parent. By all accounts, you know, he's been impressing the coaches um, within the, the ranks of the, you know, the under 23s. Watch some of the, the interviews with Omar Reza, who's the, the under 23s coach, and, you know, put a few of the quotes in there about him in the piece as well. So, you know, he seems to be doing the right things and he's the right age. You know, he's about to turn 20. So he's still sort of at that solid age range to be in the under 23s, but also now to then be kicking on and, and trying to make an impact on the fringes of the first team. So, you know, it will be just interesting to see how his how his career develops. Thank you much for listening to From the Rookery End. Uh, it's always nice doing one after a win. Uh, and maybe, hey, we'll get another one next weekend. But what for travel to Cardiff, uh, which wasn't a great home game, which we all got to see live, or some of us got to see live. Thank you very much, Michael. There's no need to thank me whatsoever. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> Let's just keep it going. Keep the faith. Keep doing what you're doing, Watford. Let's do this. Uh, And thank you very much, Adam. An absolute pleasure. And I look forward to seeing plenty of you at the quiz on Monday night. Yes, remember, go to theathletic.com forward slash rookerien to sign up as a subscriber. Or if you already are, then go on to The Athletic and search for prostate cancer to sign up for this special quiz on Monday evening. That's Monday the 8th of March. Come on, you horns! The Athletic.